The Christmas presents will get old by next week. Let's face it. And I can prove it. Behold, I pulled up pictures from the 1990s Sears holiday catalog. Five things you had to have to make your Christmas spectacular. Here's the first page. Check out these outfits from 1990. You've got Beetlejuice, RoboCop, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... For little boys aged two to seven. Wow, that's a throwback. Here's the next picture. You've got a revolution in computers. The compact IBM PS1 series. Save 100 bucks and get it for just about $1,500. Check out those graphics. Here's the next one. Try and live without one of these Walkmans. Wherever you go, you can bring your musical cassettes with you. Some of them reached up to $89. For what? <laughs> Moving on. You need a Game Boy. Yes, you love Nintendo at home, but guess what? You can take it with you in the car. Two colors, mustard gold and black. Raise your hand if you had a Game Boy back in the day. Didn't you feel like you just won the lottery? It was like, this is amazing. Uh, maybe not. And last but not least, check this out. A new kid's on the block. Wow. What is that? Is that a, it's like an air mattress or a sleeping bag or something. Raise your hand if you think you can name all the new kids on the blocks. Keep your, keep your hand up if you're ashamed of that. <laughs> had to have it. Top five gifts you had to have to make your holiday magical, right? All those things are in the trash right now. Because gifts don't make you happy for long. Hey, here's the truth. Jesus is God's gift to the earth. Joy to the world means Jesus to the world. And the world needs Jesus today just as much as the world needed Jesus when he first arrived. What is joy? Joy is a permanent spiritual gladness that's supernatural, regardless of circumstances, and it's found only in Christ. That's what joy is. It's a permanent supernatural gladness found only in Christ, regardless of circumstances. Jesus is the joy of all the earth. If you have Jesus, you will have joy forever. If you have anything of earth, you'll have joy for a week, maybe a month, maybe a year. But if you have Jesus, you'll have joy forever. And this joy is for all the earth. We're going to go into the Bible this morning. Luke chapter 2 is where you can go. But we'll, we'll be in a few other verses as well. Because this sermon comes from a Christmas hymn written by Martin Luther. And the whole hymn is printed in your bulletin in an insert. You can pull out the insert and see. The hymn is called, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. Uh, Martin Luther wrote this like in the 1500s, back when the congregation didn't really sing in church. But the Reformation happened, and people began to sing, and they began to sing Christmas songs. And this is one of the Christmas songs that he wrote. We learned last week as we began this sermon series that they didn't really even have music to sing. So Martin Luther was like, we need poets, we need poets to write songs, Christmas songs. So this is one of them that he wrote uh, himself. And it's from this Christmas song that we get our theme this year, the joy of all the earth. Because the Reformation happened about 500 years ago, we're commemorating that and all the transforma transformation that God brought into the church 
uh, by, by studying the book of Romans this year called Nail It Down, but also we're continuing that in Christmas. It's called The Joy of All the Earth. So let's pray, and then we will hear more of these verses from, from this wonderful Christmas song. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the joy of all the earth. We have seen over the last thousands of years what doesn't make us happy, what doesn't make us safe, what doesn't keep us blessed for long. And Lord Jesus, only you can fill our hearts with everlasting joy. Only you can keep us satisfied forever. Help us to see in the manger today the only person who can truly bring us joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, this Christmas hymn was written based on what we find in Luke chapter 2. It, it follows the story of the angel announcing things and then shepherds running to the manger. Um, and, and so in Luke chapter 2, we have in verse 8 the story of Christmas. It says that in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Now, that's the beginning of the sermon here. And the question is, what makes Jesus the joy of all the earth? What makes Jesus the joy of all the earth? You could write that down in your bulletins if you're taking notes. It's a fair question. The earth is a pretty big place, and the people are awfully different. There are 195 countries on the planet. 195. There are 7.7 billion people. If you've ever hosted a party and had people over, you start thinking through what each person would like so that you can make that day special, right? And, and you're planning a party for what, maybe 20 or 30 people? God had to figure something out that would keep 7.7 billion people happy for eternity. And that's just the people who are alive today. What did he come up with? Not a cake, right? He came up with his son, his son Jesus. Martin Luther, in verses 1 and 2 of his hymn, commemorates this story in the Bible by saying this. This is the words of the angel speaking. From heaven above to earth I come to bear good news to every home. Glad tidings of great joy I bring, whereof I now will say and sing. Verse 2, to you this night is born a child of Mary, chosen virgin mild. This little child of lowly birth shall be the joy of all the earth. What makes Jesus the joy of all the earth? Well, here we are on the fields of Bethlehem, and we find out. It's dark. The shepherds have worked all day. It's, it's time to nap, all right? And the last thing that a shepherd wants at night, surrounded by animals, is anything surprising, all right? You don't want anything surprising. How many of you have an animal at home? Okay, when animals get surprised, bad things happen. Sometimes you make money on viral videos, but let's just all admit, surprising animals is, generally speaking, not, not a great thing. Here the shepherds are with all their animals. They don't want any surprises. And then an angel appears. An angel appears. I have a dog. His name is Spencer. When the mailman appears, he acts like there's an alien invasion. I, I mean, I mean, that's a mailman appearing. I can't even imagine if an angel appeared what my dog would do. Thankfully, one angel appeared first, and then it started talking, and the shepherds were terrified. I can't imagine how the sheep felt. What makes Jesus the joy of all the earth? The first thing you can write down is this. Angels announced his birth in glory. 
angels announced his birth in glory. It says here, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of the Lord is the Shekinah glory of God. Found in the Old Testament, his glory filled the temple so the priests couldn't even go in. Right? The glory of the Lord filled Mount Sinai so that Moses' face glowed when he was in the glorious presence of God. And the glory of the Lord surrounded these shepherds. What a tremendous honor that that very glory from God's holy heavenly presence would suddenly be on a field and angels would be announcing his birth. Now it's dark out and God lights up the darkness. The authors of the New Testament really want us to understand what that means. John in particular helps us to understand the contrast between the light and the darkness. Uh, We all walk in darkness. Earth is dark and that symbolizes our spiritual condition. The light is gone. The light is gone. We can't see God. That's why the earth is dark. John 1.5 says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1.9 says this, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. So, when an angel shows up and the glory of the Lord shines around these shepherds, John says this, The true light was coming into the world. That's why the lights of heaven turned on, to show that something spectacular was happening spiritually. Now, one of my favorite Christmas movies ever is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We watch it every year. It's a family tradition. And Clark Griswold really likes Christmas lights. Am I right? In fact, in this movie, he goes outside and he puts up lights everywhere to try and get his whole house to light up the whole city. It's not going so well, though, right? Here's a picture when he's really frustrated because his house is still dark. And he can't figure out why. And he keeps plugging it in and plugging it in. And do you remember why the lights weren't going on? Because he didn't turn the switch on. And so he's out there, wait, 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 he's kicking Santa. You know, it's not working. And then finally the moment comes, here's a picture, where the lights go on. And his face lights up. And he's like, it's on. The lights are on. And here's the next picture. This is just sheer joy. Why? Because the lights are on. The lights are on. Hey, listen, when Christ was born... God turned the blinding light of heaven on for all the earth to see his glory. The light has come. And we can now see God. We can now walk out of darkness into the light. The light has dawned. Where do we find joy in this dark and weary world? Uh, The answer is Jesus, the light of the world. The world is dark. The world is weary. Where can we find joy that lights our hearts up forever? Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Have you seen the darkness? When you look around your life, has God revealed to you how dark this world is? Has God revealed to you how dark your heart is? Do you feel the guilt? Do you feel the shame? Do you look around and see the depravity and wonder, is there any hope? Is there any hope for us? Is there any hope for me? Hey, listen, it was a dark night when the shepherds first saw the blinding light of heaven. God sends his light into the darkest place of life, into the darkest person on the planet to show his glory. What makes Jesus the joy of all the earth? Angels announced his birth in glory, in glory. God wants you to open your eyes and to see the light of heaven, to see the light of heaven in Jesus. The lights are on. Well, angels announced his birth in glory. 
What else makes Jesus the joy of heaven or the joy of earth? Jot this down. The good news came from heaven. The good news came from heaven. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. He brings this news from heaven. Verse 1 of Martin Luther's hymn says, from heaven above to earth I come. When you hear things that sound incredible, you always want to know who you heard it from, right? Guess what I heard? This and this. Who'd you hear it from? Who told you that, right? When your kids tell you something that sounds incredible, you're like, who told you that? Because you want to know the source, all right? And the shepherds were like, the Messiah was born. And then people are like, who told you that? And they're like, Cindy. Oh, she told you that, huh? Oh, yeah, but she really meant it. Yeah, no, they're not gonna, no one will listen to them. But if they're like, the Messiah was born, who told you that? An angel from heaven? Oh, now we're talking. Now, this is, this is some top-shelf gossip going on here. This stuff needs to spread. An angel told you this? The good news came from heaven. We learn from this story that there is a heaven. Sometimes people don't necessarily believe in heaven and hell as the Bible teaches it. Um, and we learn here that there is a heaven. An angel stepped down from heaven and just appeared. Heaven is full of spiritual beings. Angels are messengers, servants of God, opponents of Satan and demons. Satan and demons are just fallen angels. So there's war in heaven. There's light. There's darkness. And so we learn that there's a spiritual realm that parallels and also kind of permeates the earthly realm. The spiritual realm can involve itself heavily in the earthly realm. And we see here that an angel can just step into our world. And there's a lot of things we don't know about their world yet. But one of the key things we do know about their world is they get really fired up about Jesus. Jesus is not just the joy of all the earth. Jesus is the joy of all the heavens. The joy of all the heavens. And the angels can't wait to praise the one who is the king. Jesus is truly one of a kind. An angel shows up bringing good news from heaven that he was born. Now, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but no angel announced your birth. Okay, don't take it personally, but it didn't happen. And therefore, you're not the joy of all the world. Uh, nobody in Bulgaria thought you were a special child. Okay, nobody in Cameroon decorates their house for your birthday. All right, let, let's just be honest here. You're really not the joy of all the earth. Jesus is the joy of all the earth. He's like no one else. And Jesus is the joy of all the heavens. So this good news came from heaven. An angel came down to announce his birth. What makes Jesus the joy of all the earth? Well, angels announced his birth in glory. The good news came from heaven. And the angel goes on to say this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all of them. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. It says here in verse 2 of Martin Luther's Christmas song, To you this night is born a child of Mary chosen virgin mild. This little child of lowly birth shall be the joy of all the earth. Jot this down. Jesus came for everyone, great and small. He brought a universal offer of salvation. 
to every home, verse 1 says, to bear good news to every home. Many people in the Bible saw an angel, an angel, this many. All right, changed their lives. Many people saw an angel. There weren't many people who saw, like, all the angels. All right, a few of the prophets in visions, John and Paul, maybe, who got a preview of heaven. Okay, they saw all of them. And so, reading on what happened here is pretty incredible. It says in verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a, in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Then the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds saw like all the angels. They appeared thousands upon thousands of them, to, to declare the glory of the one who was born king. I can't imagine what the angels talked about prior to this event. But like in heaven, when like one angel went down, I would imagine there would be some questions like, what was it like? You know, right? You got to just appear. And, and now suddenly there's these rumbling. We're all going down. We're, all, we're, we're, we're going down to earth? Where? Where? To Los Angeles? Where, where are we going? Where would all the angels go? Like, are we going anywhere spectacular? Well, no, we're going to field. Field. Okay. Field where? Field outside of Bethlehem. Oh. Oh, who's there? Shepherds. Oh. Shepherds in a field. Caesar is in Rome. No. Shepherds field all the angels. Why? Why would such glory appear there? Well, because the king of heaven had been born and there was no glory being brought to him from the rich and the mighty. Heaven did something about that. The fact that the angels appeared to little lowly old shepherds um, shows us something. It shows us that the glory of Christ, the one who is the name above every name, is for anyone. For anyone. Shepherds represented the common folks just doing their job out there in the field. And, and they got stuck working the first Christmas. What a bummer. And the angels surrounded them with heaven's glory. Shepherds. Shepherds had a reputation. I mean, they, they were dirty. They, they, morally and physically. Bad hygiene. They, they had a reputation. The fact that God picked them so low means that Christ is for anybody from that point up in the social status. Jesus came for everyone, great and small. I don't know what you do. I don't know what your job is, but Christ came for you. Jesus came. Jesus came for nurses. Jesus came for teachers. He came for plumbers and pavers. Jesus came for masons. He came for maids. He came for mechanics. He came for firemen. Jesus came for you. Jesus didn't just come for the Caesar, for the priests. Jesus came for you. I don't know what group of people the angels would have picked if the first Christmas happened today. I don't know. Maybe there would be like this group of people stocking shelves in the back of Walmart and be like, ah! But it's just like, boom, for the earth. For, for the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. What makes Jesus the joy of all the earth? Angels announced his birth in glory. The good news came from heaven. And Jesus came for everyone, great and small. That's amazing. Hey, do you believe the truth 
about Jesus that was announced by angels in glory? Do you believe that? Do you believe that this truth from heaven is for you? That the only pathway that you can take to joy forever is through the person of Jesus Christ? Do you see in the manger God's provision for your permanent joy? And do you understand that if you go anywhere else to try and find it, you never will? Do you understand that Jesus is the joy of all the earth? Well, that's number one. Number two is this. You can jot this down. Here's a question. Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? If you check out verse 3 of Martin Luther's hymn, it says this, This is the Christ, our God and Lord, who in all need shall aid afford. He will himself your Savior be from all your sins to set you free. Jesus came as Christ and God and Lord to help us particularly to help us with our sin problem to save us. Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? In Luke 1.32, the angel announced to Mary that this child would be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So Jesus would be more than just a great baby, Jesus would actually be Savior and Lord. Jot this down. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. And I'm not going to assume you know what those words mean, even though they might be familiar to you, because when I started really getting serious about church, uh, I, you know, I went to church now and then growing up, but it wasn't until I was a freshman in college when I started really getting serious about church reading up about the other world religions, finding out what does Buddhism think? What does Hinduism mean? What does Confucius say? You know, I started getting really interested in all those things, and I started reading the Bible. And frankly, I, I can remember starting to go to church when the pastor said the gospel, and he's like, and basically the gospel, what it means is the good news that Jesus died for you. And I was like, oh, that's what that means. I didn't know. The, the gospel was like a, a type of music that I had heard of before that. And then when he explained that the gospel means good news that Jesus died to bring you to heaven, I was like, I'll write that down. So I don't know your starting point, but, but I know what it's like to hear these words and to be like, are you speaking another language? So Christ means this. Christ is the Greek word for anointed. And Messiah is the Hebrew word for anointed. So Christ and Messiah are interchangeable, but they basically mean anointed, like putting oil on the head or dumping it on the head. And in the Old Testament, that usually signified a person being anointed for a special role, like being a king. So, so you would be anointed king. It means God's favor and his promotion is on this person to give them authority to rule and to lead. So the Christ, the Messiah, was the anointed one chosen by God to rule. Well, to rule what? Daniel 7, 13 to 14 says this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days. Now, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. The Ancient of Days is God the Father. So here, Daniel is seeing this heavenly vision where the Son comes to the Father and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, 
and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So therefore, when Jesus is called the Messiah, when he's called the anointed one, the Christ, that means he is the promised ruler from the Old Testament who will rule all peoples for all time. That's what it means for Christ to be the King, the Lord. The word Lord is a title for God. Now, sometimes people say, well, prove to me that the Bible says Jesus was God. One of the ways you can do that is you take titles that were reserved solely for God and you see where they were applied to Jesus. When Jesus puts God's name tags on him, that's one way that you can show that he's equal to God. And one way that we know this is Jesus was called Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Lord. And the fact that he was Lord means he had a title of God. The word Lord means that he's in complete control over all. He has all authority to rule over all creation and over all humanity. I've had a lot of titles in life. I've been called Dad. I've been called Uncle. I've been called uh, Mr. Hall because I was a teacher before I was a pastor. Now I'm called Pastor Ryan. I've got all these titles, but no one has ever called me Lord. And I know you might be like, well, there are a lot of people called Lord in history, right? But the, but the way the Bible uses this term is Lord bearing all authority over creation and humanity. No one's ever called me that. And even if they did, I couldn't live up to that title. Jesus did. He proved he was Lord over creation, and he proved he was Lord over demons. He proved he was Lord over sickness, and he proved he was Lord over humanity. He is Lord. So therefore, all authority to rule belongs to him, all power over creation. Do you know what this means? This means that the manger is where man encounters God. Because the one who was born was Christ the Lord. The manger is where man encounters God. This isn't just a miracle baby, this is a heavenly child. Martin Luther goes on to say, This is the Christ, our God and Lord, who in all need shall aid afford. So he's the Lord, but he came to help us. And boy, do we need help. Boy, do we need help. He came down to help us. So many people in our church over the last several weeks have needed help. I've been on the phone. I've been making hospital visits. I've been in homes to, to offer people counsel and prayer and encouragement because they need help. And that's what God came for. And my favorite verse to read when I make a hospital visit. In fact, I've, if I visited some of you in this room, I've, I've read these verses to you. Isaiah 40. 28 to 29 says this, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now what, what a breathtaking description of the Almighty. And when you, when you get done hearing about the creator, of the, you might be like, He's so far. He's so out there. He's so, he's so other. How could I ever know Him? But then it says, in verse 29, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. This is a God who has, has all power in heaven and on earth, and he gives it to us when we're weary. I don't know what's making you weary this Christmas. I don't know who is breaking your heart. I don't know what burden you're carrying. But listen, that manger has all the help you need. That Messiah didn't just come to parade his holiness for all to see. He came to carry your burdens with you. He came to be there for you. And maybe you've asked yourself, where's God? Where's God? Where's God when this is happening? In the manger! Right in the manger! But you've got to go there and invite Him into your life. Then you can receive the strength from heaven. 
Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? Well, you have to believe that He is Christ the Lord. That's where your relationship with Him begins. And then He can help you. The biggest thing that He can do, though, jot this down, is He alone can save us from sin. He alone can save us from sin. It says, This is the Christ, our God and Lord, who in all need shall aid afford. He will Himself your Savior be from all of your sins to set you free. He alone can save us from sin. And looking back into Luke chapter 2, says in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior. This is where you have to agree with God on your true spiritual condition, that you need not a teacher, not a guide, not just an encourager, a Savior. You need a rescue. Too often people disagree and they're like, oh, I'm not that bad. It's not like I needed anyone from heaven to come down and save me. I just sin a little bit every now and then. You're not talking like someone who needs Christmas. You're not talking like somebody who needs a God in a manger to come and pull you up to heaven. You're talking like somebody who just makes a few little oopses here and there. We don't have cats anymore, but we did. Cats have a reputation, am I right? I know there's cat lovers in the crowd who aren't going to like it that I say this, but cats really like to convey to us that we are optional, am I right? Like They like to show us how much they don't need. Oh, they'll come and purr, and as soon as you put your hand on them, they'll just walk away. They, they really want us to know how, how disposable we are in their lives. I found this video of a cat rescue. A cat rescue. A cat got stuck in the bottom of a pit, and this nice guy is going down to rescue this little cat. Check it out. There's the cat. See the little cat on the bottom of that pit? See it sitting down there helpless? Luna, um caralho, pai, Luna. Cats! All right, am I right? Cats. I'm stuck in a hole. I'm stuck in a hole. Someone comes say, gotcha. <laughs> now you're the idiot standing down there and everyone's laughing at you. Now, why did I show that? I showed that because for many people, God coming down into the pit to rescue them, they're like, I got this. Here's the problem. You're not getting out. You're not, you're not getting out. And, and we don't value the reality that Christ came down, climbed down from heaven to save us. And we're like, I don't need you. Watch this. But we don't make it out. We, we can't make it out. We can keep trying to do it all by ourselves. Keep trying. Keep, but we won't make it out. We, we can't make it out. Christ came down to save us. And if, if we resent and despise the reality that we need a rescue, um, we're, we're making fools of ourselves and we're, we're mocking our God. We're mocking our God. He alone can save us from sin. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you see God's plan to save the world lying in that stable? This isn't just a cute story. This isn't just an old myth. This isn't just something that comforts our hearts once a year. This is God's rescue plan. The manger is the only place where God can pull you up out of earth and into heaven. That's it. In Jesus, God made himself fully known. And therefore, the only way you can know God is through the manger. 
Bethlehem makes it clear that God wants to supernaturally involve himself in your life. God must supernaturally involve himself in your life. He must pull you out of the pit. Have you admitted to God your true need, that, that you're helpless, that you can't get to heaven? Have you admitted to God that you're not worthy, nor will you ever be worthy of, of God's love and affection? Have you asked him to save you, not to, not to just help you, not to just provide for you, but actually to save you? Have you asked him to save you? He alone can save us from sin. Are you a saved person? Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? He is Christ the Lord. He alone can save us from sin. And look at verse 4 in Martin Luther's hymn now. It says this, He will on you the gifts bestow, prepared by God for all below, that in His kingdom bright and fair you may with us His glory share. Again, in Luke 1, uh, it's said that Jesus will reign forever. Heaven is therefore His kingdom. So jot this down. He alone can bring us to heaven. He alone can save us from sin he alone can bring us from heaven. Luther says that in his kingdom, bright and fair, you may with us his glory share. What the shepherds saw was a, a foretaste of heaven. The shepherds saw the, the light of heaven that will soon be shining for eternity. They just saw it for a bit, it, just for a bit. But soon we will see it forever. He alone can bring us to heaven. I like what C.S. Lewis says as he reflects on the incarnation of Christ. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity. But he goes down to come up again and to bring the whole ruined world up with him. Like a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift. He must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. What a beautiful picture of Christmas. God stooping, coming down to pick up the whole ruined world with him and bring it back to heaven. Is that Christmas to you? These gifts that Martin Luther talks about include the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which enables you to serve Christ, all looking ahead to the day when you will stand before Christ the King to give an account for your life. And then as you have worshipped Him and served Him, then He gives you uh, His glory in His kingdom forever. Are you planning to share in Christ's glory forever? Listen, Jesus was born King. Jesus was born your king. Have you, like the wise men of old, crossed the gap, the gulf, the canyon that exists between you and God? And as the wise men bowed before a child, have you bowed low before your king? Have you given up the throne of your heart, which never truly rightfully belonged to you anyway? And have you given God back what was his from the start? Have you put Jesus in the middle as your Lord and your Savior? If not, I want to give you the option this morning to worship Christ, to bow low before the one who rules heaven, to receive God's Son, to receive God's love. The Bible makes it clear that if you reject God's Son, you reject God's love. 
if you refuse God's son, you refuse God's joy. What is your relationship with Jesus right now? If I ask the five people in this world who know you best, does that person worship Christ? Would there be any hesitation? Because now can be the time for you to make it clear. Like the shepherds, to run to see the one who was born king. Now can be the time where you give him glory. And therefore, you'll be with him in eternity forever. Let's close our eyes, let's bow our hearts, and let's respond to what we heard today. This is your chance to talk to God. This is your chance to talk to God. This is your chance to respond to what you heard. Don't you want in his kingdom, bright and fair, to be in his glory? Don't you want what the Bible promises? Don't you want to know that the joy of all the earth will be yours in Christ? Why wait another second? Why not right now confess your sins to the Father above? Give your life to the Son who came, announced by angels in glory. And know that the gift of heaven is yours. Why not right now this morning abandon your effort to try and get yourself out of the jam, to try and brush yourself up a little bit and clean yourself up a little bit? Why not forsake all of that and turn your life over to the one who was born your king? Father in heaven, we pray right now with great joy in our hearts. Bethlehem was filled with the light of heaven. A peak, a glimpse, one, one faint spark of a fire that will be lit for eternity above. Lord, the day is coming when our faith will be made sight. The day is coming when we will share in your glory and sit at your table and enjoy your fellowship forever. We will have joy that nothing on this world can bring us. But there are some here who are ready right now to reach out and to receive the free gift that they have never accepted before. First, in their own heart, they must confess their sins. And I give them a chance to do that right now, to say in their own heart, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Take away my sins. I need a Savior. Right now, they can believe that Jesus died on the cross for them and rose again. They can believe that Jesus rules heaven. They can say, Jesus, save me, wash me, forgive me. And right now, Lord, they can know that heaven is theirs. They can say, Jesus, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, prepare a place for me in heaven. Take me to your kingdom forever. Oh, Lord, I pray that the joy of heaven that first surrounded those shepherds on a field near Bethlehem, that that same joy would fall now in glory and power as the gospel does what you promised saves people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Oh Lord, we give you great glory for your love and your mercy, and we praise and worship and adore you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.